Hey guys, welcome back to Coffee with a Shot of Cynicism, the Gilmore Girls podcast. I am Eleni. I'm Jeffrey. And today we're going to be... Nope, I was about to say something else. <laughs> Hot start. Today we're talking about episode 411. I'm just going to move on real quick, real quick. Yes, real quick. Uh, okay. <laughs> in, the, in the clamor and the clangor. Referring to these fucking bells. Yes. Um, so would you agree that there's three main storylines in this episode and they're not created equally? Um, I would, yeah, I would agree. There's, there's definitely three main storylines and they're, they're all kind of like fighting for attention, I think. And yeah, and the one I want the most mm. is being relegated to the background and I do not appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, so we should also mention that, um, the the episode that we've mentioned like what three thousand times in previous podcast episodes is well, finally arrived. It's finally yeah. here. <laughs> finally, um, what I'm craving for so long is for Lane to break free. Yes. So we are referring to uh, shit goes down between Mrs. Kim and Lane. And honestly, you know me, I'm really bad with episode titles, and I think it's because I just I don't even remember like specifically when something happens in a season and I think it's with shows like Gilmore Girls I just kind of think of it as all like a season is all in one so I'm like I know that definitely happened in season four but what episode number I have no idea so like when I got we're like watching season uh season four episode 11 for today I'm like oh which one is this oh wait is that this is this is the one (laughs) and you know so (laughs) yeah no I I felt the same way when I was trying to um when I was looking through it yesterday to, to rewatch it, mm-hmm. um, I was like, 4-11, what happens here? I'm like, oh, the bells. And I'm like, oh, the bells. Because I kind of remember it was in the same episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was really excited to talk about it. Um, but yeah, it was just, there was some stuff that was necessary and some stuff that was unnecessary during this episode that could have made more room for Lane. Mm. So, um, yeah. So should we talk about the the two stuff that happens before Lane. So the stuff that uh, happens to Gilmore Girls. Yes. Let's definitely leave Lane to last because we're going to have some thoughts. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts, obviously. But, um, okay, so I would say the first insignificant thing that I really don't care about that happens, but I guess you kind of have to put it in because she's one of the Gilmore Girls, is um, Rory being embarrassed. Okay, yes, yeah, so we can start there. <laughs> I just... Ugh. Whatever. I'm. <laughs> I feel like, why do we have to keep. I feel like, okay, in this episode, I think they're really trying to hone in on the fact that Rory is in a dry spell and there will be no romantic relationship for Rory this season. Uh, okay, I could see how. I could definitely see uh, that perspective, but I don't really. What I get from this uh this this story in this episode in particular is like not necessarily uh you know rory being self-centered as everyone would like to point to is very quick to point out no i don't think that no i actually think but no and now that you say it i think it's probably the writers signaling that like this is not happening it's just uh not it's just it's just uh what's the word just like a false alarm like a like a decoy it's not actually going to be happening for her romantically this season yeah i think it's them once again pushing on us this fact that rory's rory this season mm-hmm. boy drama after three seasons of boy drama 
And this is just a little taste to then say, like, okay, now she's done with dating because, ugh, that was embarrassing. <laughs> so... Yeah, and as I've as I've said as I've said before, actually, the one of the main reasons that I first liked season four when I, the first few times that I watched it was that was just like the lack of high school love triangle drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I find just like I don't know as we as, as we we dive deeper in, I know we we've uh, we've found issues with Rory's life at Yale this season, but um, I do think. One of the main reasons that I like season four, among many that I've, I've I've mentioned, is it just I don't know. It feels just like the drama level feels decluttered, and it just allows for a bit more growth and like other aspects of Rory's character that we might not have focused on or even seen before in seasons one, two, and three. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think it's it's a more grown up Rory leaving high school problems behind, mm-hmm. um, and maybe focusing inwards instead of all of these outside problems and people getting involved and love triangles and shit like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, again, it's a credit to the writers that they can make something like that, like an internal struggle, be very entertaining this season. So kudos to them. Um, I do have to say that I remember watching this episode for the first time. Do you? Was it like live? Yes, live. It was live. It was back in the 60s. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> it feels so long ago. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm old. Um, <laughs> but I remember watching it live. And I remember that scene where they're doing, um, where she's with those girls and they're unpacking those care packages. And the girl is talking about um, the guy that Rory had asked out that, was in her class and is in this international relations club and her saying that, um, what was she saying? She's saying that she, out of the, out of nowhere, the girl asked him out and now she's showing up everywhere, stalking him. Yeah. And even I was like, Oh my God, Rory, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's easy easy for Rory in this case. I don't understand when people are like, you're being self-centered. Uh, she's being self-centered, sorry. It's so easy to, like, you're telling me you wouldn't think the same thing if you were Rory in that position? Yeah, I was going to say, like, I don't know. Um, I don't think the main, I don't think the the main theme of this story is Rory's little self, has a little bit of a problem with being self-centered. I think the issue is, uh, like, you would see yourself in her shoes. Like, wouldn't you think, like, he's talking about me? Like, I it's it wasn't as if the the girls in that scene said like oh yeah she like stalked him and dressed up in his closet with whipped cream or whatever it was like that was not specified it was just some and honestly the tone of the girl's voice when she was telling that story was a bit slut shamey I have to say yeah so I was about to say that too I was I remember I don't think I I had this epiphany while I was watching it the first time again different times but. I don't understand why they're freaking out that a girl asked him out. Yeah. And then when he said no, she started, like, I'm sorry, that sounds like an excuse a guy says. You know when guys are like, oh, man, she's crazy. Mm-hmm. They never acknowledge what they did. Yeah. Kind of, and it's just kind of a blanket statement to say, like, I fucked up. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
That's what that sounds like a little bit. Oh, she's stalking me. She's showing up everywhere. I mean, maybe you're both freshmen and you have the same classes. Like, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know I know, mean? exactly. Yeah, I can definitely see, like, a guy, a heterosexual male, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, build, like, building up this really not interesting, insignificant story into something that's not. As in, like, this girl asked me out and I said no. That becomes, oh, this crazy chick, she, like follow me around for five years like no she asked you out once and then you were in the same classes for five years not the same thing well yeah listen we don't know the circumstances of this particular girl but it doesn't sound i mean relax bro bro bro, (laughs) relax (laughs) okay don't don't even target me with that heterosexual nonsense not you i'm talking to him i know but mm, i'll throw glitter on you if you call me that Um, no, it was just, it made it seem like, I remember, I'm, I'm rewatching this episode yesterday or two days ago, whenever that was, I have no concept of time right now. Um, and I'm just like, okay, what's the worst, what, why is this bad? She asked him out? Okay. Is it, isn't that what college is for? Like, yeah. So like, I really don't blame Rory for immediately thinking like, is this bitch gossiping about me? Yeah. I don't know. It was just, yeah, so I definitely understand what you're saying when the, when you say that the tone was a little slut-shamey. Um, because immediately my mind goes to, oh, this guy is making a way bigger deal of this than it needs to be. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, she's probably in a class or two, or you guys have probably crossed paths, and this poor girl was embarrassed enough. Yeah. After you said no, and now you're now you're, like, going around town and telling everyone the story. And whatever. But that scene where she does confront him, mm-hmm. very cringe. <laughs> cringe and also, like, just relatable. Like, you can totally, like, I think the writers knew that when they wrote this story for this episode, it's like, people are going to be able to see themselves in Rory's shoes. Like, 100%. the fact that she had, the fact that she had to obviously <laughs> uh, have enough balls to go up to him and be like, um, just so you know, I'd really appreciate if you stop uh you know telling everyone the laundry room story even though there's like no story to tell it's like you talked for a minute in the laundry room you asked him out he said no that was the end of it and it was a bit it was a bit embarrassing for her but i think she kind of moved on and then it was she and then she figured um is he just going around telling this random ass story to to embarrass me and turns out he wasn't and the the girl in question does seem to have some boundary issues i have to say (laughs) But I think it's just, it was a, definitely a relatable scene where she's like, okay, I'd also appreciate if you don't tell people this story either. Okay, thanks. Bye. Like, because <laughs> I don't know, I could, totally, I could totally see myself doing that. And especially, I think I probably have done that in maybe like in my high school years or early CJEP years where it's like, you think someone's talking about you and then just, I'm not going to say I have a completely confrontational personality, but I don't really feel like I should, if I don't feel like I deserve to be put in a place where I'm being humiliated or embarrassed, like I'm not just going to sit back and take it. So I would definitely probably work up the courage to say, listen, bitch, leave me alone. And then it might come back to hurt me because I probably overthought the whole situation as, uh, you know, I tend to do. So I can totally see where, where Rory is coming from. I'm not that proactive. Oh, I know you're not. <laughs> yeah, I'm very much like, I don't even know how to describe myself because I like to think that I'm very, um, 
let's just say I'll stand up for myself when I need to. <laughs> and sometimes, no, because really, I, I think I will. But mm. I think my problem is that I have a hard time, um, like, telling when I have a hard time knowing and figuring out when it's important to. So yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think my problem is very much uh, the doing. Like, I can do it. I have, I've mustered up the courage plenty of times to do it um, and do it in very respectful ways and just, you know, like, don't talk to me like that or, you know, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. I just think sometimes I have a harder time um, differentiating between, like, now is a time where you really need to do it and now you can let this go. Yeah. I tend on the side of caution where I'm like oh it's okay it's not a big deal I can let it go whereas sometimes maybe you or a normal human being would be like no we're not letting this go now is the time to stand up for yourself yeah so I feel like I, just, I also have but I also have issues like you differentiate differentiating the like <laughs> like I have I have trouble telling the difference between the situ- like the type of situation where it's like is is someone like spreading lies about me shall we say that sounds a bit dramatic but like is, is someone spreading nonsense or slander about me and they shouldn't be that's not like that's not really been an issue since high school I don't think but no, in but terms of older. in terms of like feeling in terms of like feeling the need to stand up for myself usually in the last little while like the last few years of life I feel like it's mostly been me and my ability to overthink a situation to the point of making it into something that it's completely not and then I embarrass myself by speaking it out loud and other people are like what you know yeah no I get it (laughs) but I think the issue that I have is just being assertive in the moment yeah so you know in the moment if I'm feeling a certain way I would I normally don't don't say anything and I'm like let it go yeah and then I'm like you, I tend to overthink it to the point where I'm like, no, I'm going to say something. Mm-hmm. But then by the time you get up the courage to have that thought process, the person has moved on and is like, what are you talking about? Yeah, literally. Like we spend so much time building up the courage to say, listen, I didn't appreciate you saying this or doing that. And they're like, wait, what? That was eight <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I think, I don't know if it was you who said it to me or me who sent it to you. Remember there was that meme that we found last year, maybe even longer ago I don't I, I too have no perception of time but it was like a meme of a like a really strong animal that was like me after I've me after I've argued out every every perspective of an, of an argument with myself in the shower and yeah, you feel like you've won 100% I do that well, <laughs> we've won the argument in the shower but then everybody else outside the shower has moved on with their lives and you're stuck <laughs> you actually see a living human being and you're like oh fuck <laughs> uh, but I just think that's a little story <laughs> Um, Je- Jeffrey, do you remember? I think it was last year, like the end of last year, mm-hmm. where I posted something, mm-hmm. and I sent you a text that was meant to be funny. Oh no, that wasn't the end of last year. That was like uh, this time last year, like last summer. If we're talking about okay. the same thing, yeah. So that was definitely on me. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's just an example of because I told you I do the same thing, right? It was just an example to say that. I remember last year I had post Jeffrey had posted something and in a funny joking manner that sometimes gets lost via text. We've all been there. I was like, I'm putting my foot down. You can't post about this anymore. Yeah. And Jeffrey was like, 
he waited a little bit because I guess he was thinking about what he was going to say. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I'm sorry you feel like you have to put your foot down. I really didn't mean to offend you, but, like, I think you could have just talked to me. <laughs> oh, yes. And you were like, I'm at, you were like, I'm at work. What are you talking about? And I was like, what? What's happening? Because I thought it was very clear that I was joking. But because we joke around like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. But it is text, so that was also my bad. <laughs> and I'm like, I promise you 100% that was a joke. I did not mean to say, like, I'm putting my foot down. I, I didn't mean to, like, scold you. I'm very sorry. He's like, oh, my God, I had an anxiety attack. <laughs> I, yeah, I literally said you experienced a Jeffrey anxiety t- and a Jeffrey anxiety attack in real time. Like you oh saw the whole God. thing happen. So funny. I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" <laughs> and then I had to reread how I said it, and I was like, "Yeah, I can understand because we're kind of the same person. I can understand how that maybe would have been misconstrued. I'm very sorry." <laughs> yeah, it well, was. It was <laughs> honestly. I, th- I think I was joking about wanting to block someone for not sharing my opinion, which I do all the time. I'm like, blocked, reported off yeah. my page for not, for not sharing my same view and yeah. you're like I'm putting my foot down you can't do that and then yeah. I interpret it as I interpret it as I can't post about that anymore <laughs> yeah no and I was 100% kidding I don't care what Jeffrey posts just like he doesn't care what I post we don't give a fuck <laughs> but it's, it's just I think, <laughs> yeah, I think maybe I caught you in a bad moment and you were overthinking because the same thing has definitely happened to me um, oh, yeah. I'm going to say, like, 90% of last year was a bad moment in terms of anxiety, and I'm overthinking every aspect of my life, so. And we've all been there, so don't <laughs> worry. But I found it so funny, because then afterwards, when we cleared everything up, I was like, I've definitely been the Jeffrey in this scenario. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, and then I had to reassure you, I was like, listen, I promise if I ever have a problem with something that we're posting, which, let's be honest, never, um, I wouldn't come at you like that. <laughs> no. You'd, you'd be like, why did you post it? This is, you know. <laughs> it was just so funny because I, I I was confused. You were hurt. And then we cleared everything up. But anyway. Honestly, just... I was like, I'm pretty sure I even said when I was like, I'm sorry if you don't like these posts. I'm just really bored, stuck at home. Like, I won't post about it anymore if you don't like it. And you're like, yeah. what? Oh, my God. Poor Jeffrey. I felt so bad. <laughs> So at that point, I was I, honestly, I think it was I was doing like question of the day on our story. And I started oh. that's when I started asking people, like, what's your favorite X, Y, Z song? Yeah. And I would and I would be like flooding our story with everyone's responses. And I was like, she's going to hate me for like flooding no, our story. Oh, I think this, yeah, I think in this particular time, it was like a Demi Lovato thing. Even probably. <laughs> like Avril, I don't know, one of the two, and I was just like, I have to put my foot down, but I was 100% joking. <laughs> Anyways, it was just, it was very funny. So if you think that we're self-centered too, fuck you. Yes, all of that to say, we see where Rory is coming from. 100%, we see ourselves in Rory. Um, I do have to say that, um, I, so... Uh, we get a small glimpse of Paris in this episode. Mm-hmm. And she's being fucking annoying and talking about a certain fella. Yeah, it's only like one line and that's like all we need. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, I'm already annoyed like Rory, basically. <laughs> but I do have to say, Rory seems to be less judgmental this episode than last episode. And it's just reasserting what I said last week. Of, I think it really just bothered her the fact that she had to lie for Paris. Mm-hmm. 
like doesn't care what she does maybe kind of does is judging her a little bit but more the fact that she had to stick up for her and like cover for her and in this episode she's like we all know what's going on here you're dating that guy but I don't want to fucking hear about it yeah I think there's like definitely less judgment on who she's dating as time goes on it's just more that Paris forced her into a corner of having to lie and having to just like she's like forced her into a, in, forced her into a position that she shouldn't have had to be in Exactly, and I think that's what Rory didn't appreciate very much. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so moving on from Rory, because I'm over it. Let's talk about the storyline between Lorelai and Luke. Yes, which technically, I guess, is kind of the same storyline as the Bells. They kind of, kind of, they kind of overlap. They yeah. Um, <laughs> so, did you know Stan... He died. Yes. We did well. Did we ever see Stan? Oh, you know what I wrote? What did you write? Stan dies. Who gives a flying fuck? (laughs) Sounds about right for your notebook. I know Stan. I'm not attached to Stan. Mm hmm. Leave me alone. But, like, also. What? (laughs) I was going to say, also, um, a Jewish man named Stan dying, like that's a bit stereotypical. I would take a bit, um, I would take a bit, ish, a bit of an issue with that. Mm-hmm. Just like, know. just lazy, like oh, he's Jewish and he's in a Stan, like cool. Yeah. And the other guy's name is what was the other guy's name? Hank. I don't even know. Like it's, I was like honestly during during that whole opening scene, I was like, a, I'd never want to go to a funeral with the Gilmore Girls. Yeah. Oh my God. Awful. Awful. And B, who the hell wears berets to a funeral? Oh my God. These hats in this episode. I want to kill myself. Like I'm sorry. I would never, ever, ever. I don't care what color your your berets are. Why would you wear that to a funeral? Yeah. I don't know. Um, for some hats in a church, my grandmother would have murdered me. <laughs> my grandmother would have destroyed me. Especially. I don't know if they were trying to like. M- mimic or like I don't know I don't know if mimic, I don't know if mimic's the right word but like if they're trying to wear berets the same way that the Jews are wearing yarmulkes in that in that case I would say that's a bit insensitive um I don't know if they're trying to mimic that to be honest with you mm. wouldn't that be more insulting that's what I would think but in the same either way regardless of the intention berets at a funeral no please don't please not at my funeral at least <laughs> but, uh, anyways, I don't know, but it was just weird. Um, but that ties into the bells. So Stan is, I don't know, reinstating the bells. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking annoying. I do love how Luke is ahead of his time in hitting the bells. Like he hates the bells right away, and everyone else is like, "Oh, they're sweet. They're they're nice." And everyone else is just covering their ears and missing. Make it stop. Yeah, I mean, the first time it happens, the town's clapping. It's lovely. But it should be like a, a once a day thing, not like every hour on the hour. For sure. Like by, once by a way, day. Most. Yeah. By the way, I should tell you that bells in Greece, very big thing. <laughs> Is From it? Church, holy shit. It's so fucking annoying. They I'm ring like, every hour. So the number of times, like if it's five, they ring five times. Mm-hmm. And then it rings once to tell you it's 530. Oh, Jesus. And it rings six times when it's six. And you're like, 
good lord, how many more times are we doing this? <laughs> so I guess nobody, nobody needs watches in Greece. No, no. It's fucking annoying. And I remember going to Greece the first time and being in the village. My grandmother's village maybe has like 18 people and 47 goats. And <laughs> that didn't stop them from having a giant church because it's one of those Eastern European countries yeah. where a church takes precedence. Um, but it's just, uh, it's crazy. Like I was, I was miserable when I first went to Greece already because we're in the tiniest village and we're with my grandparents and they were like (laughs) with all their friends and me and my brother were just like, Oh my God, make it stop. And then these fucking bells kept going off and I was like, Oh my God, murder me. I have to say though, eighteen people to forty-seven goats seems like a like, like a healthy ratio. Yeah, for sure. If you ever get <laughs> hungry, take one off. Fine. Um, but it's just it's ooh the bells in general. Like I understand if you're gonna ring them for time for time's sake for people to tell time, and that's how people used to tell time back in the day. But why the music? I don't know. It's very extra. And even even for Stars Hollow, it's a little too extra. Yeah. Um, and I can understand why people were getting annoyed at that point. Mm-hmm. Even Miss Patty was like, ignore the bells! <laughs> They're not the beat. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah. I was like, you go, Patty. <laughs> but I do, but like anyway. how the bell, I do like how the bells kind of maybe symbolize something to do with the rift between Luke and Lorelai in this episode. Like, there's some kind of there's some kind of symbolic, metaphorical English major link that I can make there, but I'm not I'm not, I haven't it grasped it. I'm just thinking like I don't know the way that they break the bells together. It's almost it's, it's almost as if they're all they're like on the same wavelength and they always have been, but they argue a lot and they don't want to admit they're on the same wavelength and then eventually they're, they're like let's break the fucking bells i don't know there's some there's some kind of link there i don't know okay well i expect an essay on the topic by next week <laughs> you, but, do you, do, but do you see do you see what i mean in terms of like the bells kind of i don't know there's some kind I, of i I understand maybe what you're trying to say is that the bells are bringing them together in this, like their hatred of the bells is what eventually solves the rift. Kind of, then, like, I don't know. Then, I'm thinking there's, I'm thinking there's something a, deeper there, but I can't. <laughs> okay, well, if you can't, then how the fuck am I supposed to? I don't know. Anyway, let's oh, move on. Well, let's just say that was a dumb thing to say, sir. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting my foot down. No. She hates um, me. <laughs> no, relax, you drama queen. Um, okay, so the whole storyline with Luke and Lorelai is that Lorelai is upset because Luke says that he moved to Litchfield, which is a county away, um, mm-hmm. with Nicole. He moved in with Nicole, and he no longer lives in Stars Hollow. It's been and three Luke, weeks. Sorry? It's been three weeks. It's been three weeks since he moved. And... I know last time that we were talking about this whole Luke, Lorelai, Nicole issue where I said that, you know, Lorelai doesn't share any information with anyone and would be the first person to say, like, you have no you have no right to be in my life this way. You know what I mean? She would get very sassy with people. Um, Yeah. And I remember saying that it's unfair of her to say, you know, to, to butt into Luke's relationship 
when she wouldn't want that for herself and her relationship. Um, so last time this happened, I was 100% team Luke. I was like, Lorelai, you're being a little dick. Like, mm-hmm. it's not your decision. I have to say this time around, the fact that Lorelai is upset that Luke didn't tell her he moved, I'm a little bit more on her side. Yeah, and so I can... What? Uh, I'm sorry, I was just going to say... I can kind of see both perspectives on this one. Yeah, so look, the the, the first little argument they have in the diner, where mm-hmm. she's like, you moved three weeks ago and you didn't tell me, and she's kind of in disbelief and she's hurt and he's not seeing things from her point of view. I was 100% on her side. I was like, listen, if I had a good friend that I've known for over a decade who, you know, I see every day, you know, who who, who who is a father figure to my daughter, kind of, you know, who I call on when I need help and vice versa. If I had a friend like that and they didn't tell me that they'd moved away, I would also feel very hurt, right? Yeah. No, for sure. I totally, like, I was even thinking about, like, what if you, because I know, ladies and gentlemen, may I announce that Lenny is moving to a bigger apartment next week. Um, I I was thinking as as I was watching that scene in the diner where she's getting upset. I was like, if you hadn't told me that you moved, like you were moving in like a month now, you're like, oh, by the way, I moved. Here's my new address. You'd be like, why didn't you tell? Like, not me. Maybe I wouldn't be like hurt. Like, oh my gosh, you like stabbed me in the back. But like, I would be kind of like confused that you wouldn't like considering like we we talk all the time and we re- we record this lovely podcast once a week. I'd be like, why wouldn't you have told me sooner? You know, like that's what I was. That's what I compared it to. Yeah, for sure. It's, it, it is hurtful. It's like you, I understand what Lorelai is saying. You're supposed to share things with friends. And so maybe Luke, I know Luke is a little communication challenged. So, yeah. So, but I think Lorelai knows that too. And there's, she cuts him all kinds of slack in that department. Usually like yeah. she, he's very one note and he'll only tell her what she needs to know kind of thing. And he's not very good with his emotions. But I think it's normal for somebody to feel hurt when three weeks ago he fucking moved away. You know what I mean? So Yeah, like, I feel like there's also a little bit of, of um, just like, as my mother likes to call it, dumb man syndrome on Luke's Luke's part in terms of like, he doesn't see, he doesn't see why he needs, why he needed to tell anybody he moved. Like, I moved. I don't know what, what, like, who cares in terms of like... I'm a man. I don't feel my feelings. Uh, okay, I moved. There's no, like no like no sent- sentiment or anything involved. Whereas this, I think it's a bit of that, and he's trying to pass it off as, oh well, I don't care. I'm a man, whatever. But it's also we obviously know it goes deeper than that because he didn't tell her. As I wrote in my notes, I said I think we all know why Luke didn't tell Lorelai he moved in with Nicole, and that's because a Lorelai doesn't approve of Nicole and doesn't like really like their relationship or what who who Luke is with Nicole. And also I would say it's because she wouldn't approve of him moving away from Stars Hollow, not just because, oh my gosh, you can't make me breakfast, even though he can because he still has a business, but like you can't move you can't move away because Stars Hollow is where you belong. And I think Luke wouldn't want to hear those arguments because he wants to make it work with Nicole for whatever reason that might be. Yeah, so I think I agree with what you said. I think the reason that I think the reason it's hard for Luke in this scenario and why it's such a big argument, because they've had arguments before, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm thinking 
I'm thinking about, maybe this wasn't an argument, but I'm thinking of the example of when Lorelai went to go tell Luke that she was engaged. Yeah. What are you telling me for, you know? And she's like, oh, Luke, it's a popsicle. I'm giving you the popsicle. We're friends. Friends tell each other stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So this is kind of the same situation. But I think Luke is more upset and also more, I don't know, he's less likely to tell her. I think also because Lorelai in this scenario is the only one that's telling him the truth. Yeah. And, like, you know when you have a friend who's, like, very honest with you and keeps it real with you all the time? Mm-hmm. Lorelai is like that to a fault. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Lorelai is like that way too much. Mm-hmm. So, oh, I, by the way, I'm not like Team Lorelai on this. I think you obviously want a friend who's going to tell you the truth and say, like, hey, maybe you shouldn't date your the woman you're divorcing, you know? But mm-hmm. I think the difference with Lorelai is she doesn't know when to stop. Yeah as evidenced by the other mini fight that they have in the church. But we'll get to that. I think <laughs> is that she doesn't know when to stop. So like when she, so you've clearly made your opinion known about Nicole. Luke knows that you don't approve. It's done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's over. You know, like he knows that you know, and you've said your piece, but then there's a certain point in any friendship or any relationship, I think, when you have to say, Listen, I've said all I can say. If my friend wants to keep doing what they're doing, that's what they're going to do, you know? Like, as yeah. a friend, I feel like you need to know when to back off. And the problem I, in this relationship is that Luke doesn't realize that he's not communicating enough like a friend should. But mm-hmm. if Lorelai is not realizing that you've communicated enough, now shut your pie hole. So yes to all of that. I agree completely. And I would also just add that I think we all know the reason why uh, it goes a bit deeper with them is because they got some feelings. They got feelings that go a little bit um, on the romantical side. Yeah. So it, it goes deeper than, you know, I have a friend who's always honest with me, but to a fault. And the Lorelai's fault here is that... Um, we'll just put a pin in that and save it for the end of season four. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it is what it is at this point. But yeah, I, I think, um, you know, my frustration with Luke and Lorelai, both as friends and as a couple, will always be the same. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... I don't know. I don't know what to say. It's, it's like... <laughs> oh, I don't know what to say. Really, I don't. Long pause. Yeah, long pause. It's just like, even when they're friends, the same communication, the issues that they have when they're in a relationship are popping up, but they're just amplified when they're in a relationship. So when you're friends, it's like, all right, we can take a breather from each other and like next week I'll come in for a donut and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. Relationship, you got to kind of deal with that shit. And I think, now I'm jumping way ahead, but I think they weren't ready to deal with that. But yeah. anyone who says that their problems, anyone, because the reason I bring this up is because I see a lot of posts about how, um, you know, they were better suited as friends. Luke and Lorelai, everything was ruined when they got into a relationship. They were better as friends. And I think any everyone who says that is kidding themselves if they think that the problems weren't there when they were friends. You know what I mean? Like the communication yeah. problem 
always going to be there because they are who they are. You know, I don't know. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the problems in their relationship were contingent on their friendship. It was like the problems were there because we all know why I need to get a room and get it over with. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, It's just, it's, I'm jumping way ahead, (laughs) but it just, it's so frustrating, you know, when you see that. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That sound that I make. Um, Fast forwarding to the the mini argument that they have in the church, Mm -hmm. um, where the sexual tension is real, everybody. (laughs) Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So just when I think that they're finally getting somewhere, and maybe they're both realizing their feelings, that mm-hmm. fucking... Re- oh, I shouldn't say fucking reverend, should I? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Too late. Um, um, reverend, what's his last name? Skinner? Yes. Okay, you don't sound very confident. No, I don't. It's the Skinner, uh, that's, he's, he's insignificant to me. <laughs> I think it's Skinner. I think it's Skinner. I think so. Whatever. The Reverend comes out and interrupts their moment because he also hates the fucking bells and is like, <laughs> you are doing service by yeah. doing um, Do you find it weird that Luke is still kind of not living, like living with New York, living with New York, living with Nicole, but not living with Nicole? Yeah, I'd love to know how you got from New York to Nicole. Cause I'm like, what's the link there? She doesn't seem very like, you know, jazz hands to me. I'm sorry. Um, I wrote in my notes, like I wrote one line about how we all know why he didn't tell Lorelai that they moved in together, and then dot dot dot. Only he hasn't moved because, as Luke tends to do, uh. I'm not going to say he, like, exaggerates like Lorelai does, but he, like, um, will kind of fudge reality a little bit and say stuff in terms of... And the same thing kind of happened with Jess when he would say, like, oh, Jess is fine. I don't need any help with Jess. Or, like, I Jess and I have a deal. Not this like, obviously not the same kind of situation, but in terms of, like, Luke living in denial, I shall say he is very good at that in terms of, oh, I live with Nicole. And Lorelai's like, bitch, look at your apartment. You live here. Yeah. By the way, I have to say, out of all the scenes that we've we've seen filmed in Luke's apartment, it has never been that messy. So, like, clearly, sir, clear, sir, sir, where do you live? Answer me <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and, yeah, I think, so for me, that scene was, like, I didn't know, I remember watching it the first time, and I was like, wait a minute, this bitch said he moved. <laughs> yeah. So I think if I were in Lorelai's shoes, I would have said the same thing. Um, You did not move, sir. (laughs) And so, but I think this is just another case of like Lorelai pushing. Mm -hmm. I obviously would have said something, but you know, if Luke wants to be delusional and live in his Valentina fantasy (laughs) and think that he moved, let him think that, girl. Yeah, like, I I think I would have said something, too, but then it's because, obviously, he would have pushed back with something of, like, oh, well, I, I, you know, I do live there, but it's easier to sleep here some nights. Like, I was like, okay, just checking. Yeah. I mean, the the excuse that he gave was, uh, so the first excuse that he gave was that Nicole, no, 
they had he had an early bread delivery so he stayed overnight you know what i'll give you a pass that's a good excuse mm-hmm. because i know in the restaurant business deliveries come early and you have to be there i get it fine but the fucking excuse of nicole is feeling a sore throat coming on <laughs> um if you live with somebody and you're married bitch there's no escape when there's a sore throat coming on nope <laughs> That's why for me, I'm, like, confused. Do you want to be, like, it's me saying, like, do you want to be married? You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like at this point, he's just going through the motions. Yeah. Like, this is what married people do. And she suggested we stay together. And I'm, I don't want to get a divorce. So he's he's basically going along with what she wants kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like he's a spectator in his own life at this point. Yeah, exactly. Like, I I. I agree with that, and I would also add that I think he doesn't want, like, he doesn't, he doesn't not want to be married, but he doesn't want to be with Nicole. So, like, I feel like he kind of just is going along with this song and dance that Nicole is dictating because he's just, like, he wants the labels without the relationship. I don't know. Yeah. That's... No, I want to agree. Mm -hmm. I just think the whole thing is ridiculous. (laughs) You, you don't live with her, sir. You do not live with her. But anyway. And as as we see later on, it gets even messier, so... Oh, my God, it's the worst. She is the worst. Let's be yes. honest. Um, anyways. Uh, ugh, they're both the worst. It's fine. Uh, so, let us now move on to what I would have hoped would... Honestly, you remember when Jess had his own episode? I wanted Link to have her own episode. Seriously, like I was honest. It's funny you're saying that because I was gonna, I was gonna tell you like she needed her own episode for this. Yeah, I mean shows do that all the time. Why couldn't they give her that? And it's weird to me. I don't know because I'm, this, is, this is kind of a spoilie for everybody in the audience. Um, but I was looking up today before we were recording. I was looking up some uh classic WB. Uh, original promos for season four of Gilmore Girls to see if there was like anything obviously I knew there was a lot for season four in terms of uh, you know who returning because he's returning soon but (laughs) um, he's coming back for me Uh, but there I was looking at the video the videos in particular because I was like oh maybe there's one for this episode about the you know Lane's big showdown with her mother and no, no, there's nothing in the promo about Lane. It's most, it's obviously centered around Lorelai and Roy for obvious reasons, but like most of it, it's funny because most of it is centered around Jess's return. It's not this week. It's not the week after, but it's coming soon. It's like, he broke her heart. He broke her heart. Now he's back. Now he's back. <laughs> like, oh my God. Like there's other things that are happening. Like, yes, I'm happy he's coming back, but like Lane is important too. Why isn't she in any of these promos? Guys. When even Jeffrey is saying enough with the Jess, you know there's a problem. So like, enough with the Jess and the promos. Not enough with the Jess in my life. There's that's the, the limit does not oh. exist. Okay, fair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I also find it very frustrating. Um, but this would have been a perfect time. It's not that I'm upset with where the storyline went in this episode. I just, I don't know. For me, with Lane, I always crave more because I feel like. In a lot of episodes, we've talked about this before, I feel like she's just there either for comedic relief, like the one where she sticks her head in the sink, or 
she's there in the background and they give her like little tidbits where we want so much more. So I always want more with Lane all the mm -hmm. time. It's never going to change. Like I would be happy with a second year in the life of just Lane's life, you know, but, um, I just, yeah, I always want more. That's, that's, that's what I'm going to say for that. Um, and, I think, and honestly, I think if they had conceived a spinoff, for Jess, that was obviously unsuccessful and wasn't picked up. I could honestly see them conceiving um, a spinoff for Lane. I equally don't think it would have worked, but I like I'm saying, if you could have found some kind of hook for Jess in his own series, mostly centered around the fact that Jess was a heartthrob. But like, if you, I think if they had found, they could have easily found a hook for Lane in her own series. It was there. Like, yeah. if it's interesting enough without, um, you know without her just being Rory's best friend. Yeah. The story's there. I could have written that show. Although <laughs> I, do feel, I do feel like, hmm, maybe they weren't equipped to deal with that. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't think they were ready. I don't think the, the WB or the landscape in general would have been ready for a teen show about the, about the quirky cute Korean character from Gilmore Girls, unfortunately. Yeah, and when I say that, it was like, because the writing staff was very white at that time. Yeah. But I feel like they're, they were already out of their depth trying to deal with these immigrant issues and mm -hmm. very much on stereotypes. So I feel like the show itself would have... The the spinoff that we're imagining would have had to be um, taken over by somebody more familiar with the subject matter for sure. Um, yeah. And by the way, when you said that, oh, you you could have written the like you could have written a Lane spinoff. I was thinking my I, my first thought was, oh, I could have written the Jess spinoff. But then I was like, no, I couldn't have because it would have just been me writing him as gay and just yeah. a love just like the entire show would have just been. The entire show would have just been him falling in love with boys, and that would be that. Like, there would be no other story, just that. <laughs> By the way, we never see Jess shirtless in this show. We don't. We really don't. Interesting. All right. <laughs> so, Lane's storyline for this episode, the band has a gig at CBGB's. R.I.P. CBGB's. Poor CBGB's. <laughs> um... Yeah, she's very excited, obviously. It's a dream come true for the band. Um, and she has to think of an excuse to tell her mother so that she can go out and play with this band that her mother does not know exists. Oh, and by the way, the gig is at 1.30 in the morning or 2 in the morning. Yeah. So... Oopsies, conundrum. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, I don't know. I think in times like this, you kind of start to see where Lane is growing up and is having actual problems. Like, it's not just a mini problem of like, oh, she's wearing makeup and her mom doesn't want her to. That she can easily <laughs> wash off. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not these teen problems anymore. Like, she's hiding the fact that she wears glitter. You know what I mean? It's It's... It's very much centered around what Lane wants to do with her life mm -hmm. and being stunted as an individual. Yeah. So, like, my my thoughts, my view on her not being able to come up with a lie for her mother in this, if, in this case, because we've all seen 
Lane come up with some pretty imaginative excuses for Mrs. Kim on where she was going, what she was doing in terms of, I'm doing this, but I'm actually going to do this. And that's yeah, kind of how she was. We've seen her come up with an elaborate plan that involves Michelle jogging around the town square <laughs> and Kurt, like, <laughs> stopping to ask for, you know what I mean? Like, we've seen her come up with some doozies. Yeah, and, like, even, even like, to her, to her own detriment, like, yeah. for example, and she lost Henry because it was just too much, yeah. too much elaborate planning to get around her mother. Um, so I would say in this case, it's just been, like, practically her entire life of coming up with elaborate excuses and lies for Mrs. Kim. And this time she, she just didn't. And when she, after the, the gig falls apart and she goes to Lane, she goes to Rory's dorm Mm-hmm. and starts freaking out it's, and she says you know I just I just didn't I just she went to bed at 9 15 and I left I don't think I locked the door behind me and I think subconsciously she was just really done with lying she just like couldn't do it anymore she couldn't think of anything because she didn't want to yeah no I can see that I think I think she reached her breaking point in terms of I don't want it's not so much as not being able to come up with an excuse I think in this episode, she's just so exhausted. Yeah. And I think that becomes really, really evident in the last scene where Mrs. Kim discovers all of her secrets. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's a heartbreaking scene for many, many reasons. But what really stood out to me is when Mrs. Kim was like, is this all of it? And she shows her one last CD uh, floorboard. And then she asks how long. And Lane is like, I started it when I was six. For me, that's that's 12 years that you've been lying to your mother about. It's not insignificant you, about who you are as a person. Yeah. You know what I mean? So for me, it's it, the fact that she couldn't come up with an excuse for me that just said, like, I'm fucking tired. Like, I don't want to have to come up with an excuse to be who I am anymore and to live the life that I want to live, you know? Mm-hmm. And for me, that was just so heartbreaking for Lane because Lane, remember that scene where Lorelai is like, Lane is such a good kid. Yeah. Mrs. Kim. And I'm like, she is, she is such a good kid, you know? And when she's telling Mrs. Kim at the end, like, I try so hard to please you and I want so much to please you. That is just so heartbreaking for me. Because it's Lane realizing that her being herself would never please her mother. Yeah. So sad. I think I've said it before. This is definitely one of my favorite scenes in the whole in the whole show. And it's just, I'm looking back now. I wish they had dedicated more of the episode to it. But I think it's some in. In its way, it kind of works, and in, in, in that it kind of just sneaks up on you. Like you're not, you're not thinking. Obviously, based on the promos, because you're, they're still building up for Jess's return, apparently, which is not yet happening, but it's coming. Just so you know. Um, but like, if you'd gone based off of just the commercials, and oh, I'm sitting down to watch tonight's new episode of Gilmore Girls, like you wouldn't really be expecting this monumental showdown that has been four years in the making you know you'd be sitting down thinking oh lane has a gig oh that's big and then oh crap she didn't lie to mrs kim oh no like it's it kind of sneaks up on you in a way that things get really real really fast (laughs) yeah like it it sneaks up on you in a way that makes it more compelling than it would have been if like the promo had been this week on gilmore girls lane you know puts her foot down 
<laughs> fresh off the frog, or whatever. <laughs> whatever they say on the WB, fresh off the frog. This week on the oh frog. God, that was awful. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say that both actresses did a really, really good job. Yeah, they did. Um, with all of this, I think. Um, I want to go back a little bit to when we see Lane in her study group. Yes. Oh, I forgot. Actually, I didn't even write that on my notes. I was like, Rami Malek is in her yeah. study group. I kind of, I'm sorry. Yeah, I kind of jumped the gun. I really want to talk about the end, but I have more to say. But I really want to go back to the study group because I think it's so, like, we always knew that she was going to Seven Day Adventist College. And, but up until this point, it was always said in kind of a joking manner of like, mm, girls and boys don't like communicate. You know what I mean? Like, we, it was always been the, it, it was always the punchline kind of thing. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think, even though this scene is 100% meant to be funny with them keep, like, with Rami Malik saying, like, it would be assistant Pastor Eric that we're interviewing, you know? Um, for me, there's also something so sad about that scene. <laughs> because she's trying her best to, like, do her best in college, at a college that she doesn't want to go to, but to please her mother again. And, like, trying to make the most of this situation. Mm-hmm. And it's so clear to me that, like, it's roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And, like, Lane straight up has depression at this point. Yeah, like, it's... Bro, I wrote, Lane definitely has low-grade depression. <laughs> yeah, and, like, it kind of... But it just makes sense. Like, wouldn't you? And it, it's, like... And as, I, and as as I've rewatched the the show more and more as I've, you know, gotten older. I mean, I didn't watch it. The first time I watched it was only five years ago. But I have grown a lot in the last five years, I have to say. Um, the, just, but the more, the more that I rewatch this episode, um, like, there's a lot of queer subtext, I think, in Lane's struggle, specifically in terms of, like, um, and I think especially in the early 2000s would have been a bit even more on brand and still happens today, but definitely more so in the early 2000s where it's like, you know, your parent, you know, your parents wouldn't approve of, let's say if Lane was a lesbian, like, you know, like she knows her parents wouldn't approve of that. And it's almost like a, just a really badly kept secret at this point. Cause you know, if we go back to season three at the party, like she, she drunkenly called her mother and they just acted like it didn't happen. So like, let's yeah. say um hypothetically she walked in on lane kissing a girl like we're just gonna pretend that didn't happen you know like kind of like a just a really badly kept secret that we're just not acknowledging the big elephant in the room mm-hmm. um it's just it's so sad because when you live like when you live when you live for like i don't know let's say the better part of your fir- the first two decades of your life just like anticipating judgment for your every move or anticipating like how someone else might perceive you and your actions, your thoughts. Like it just, after a certain point, it's just, it takes its tolls. Like, of course, Lane has low grade depression because she spent her entire life just looking around, looking over her shoulder to make sure that her mother is not going to scold her for not living up to a standard that she can't meet. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think, I know I had mentioned this in season three when Jess, um, when Luke essentially kicks Jess out because he doesn't want to redo his senior year. Mm-hmm. I had mentioned this concept of conditional love. Yeah. So, you know, I had said that, you know, in order for Luke 
basically what Luke was telling Jess in that moment is that I can't love you. I can't be there for you. I can't be your father figure unless you do what I say. Mm -hmm. Unless you be this version of yourself that I want you to be. And then it was too much for Jess and he left. So I think this, this concept of conditional love keeps coming up. Um, and I'm going to continue to point it out throughout the seasons because there are more pieces of it. But the same thing happens with Mrs. Kim and Lane. So at the end of the episode, Lane is trying really hard to, you know, be accommodating. And you get the sense that when Lane is talking to Mrs. Kim about what she's been going through for these past 12 years of her starting this when she was six, and, you know, listening to the music that she wants to and whatever it is. I get this overwhelming sense of relief coming off of Lane. Yeah, I was going to say there's like just it's almost as if in that moment when Lane is coming clean about it at all, like or not even coming clean, like this Kim already found her buried treasure in her room. It's almost as if like it was a you could tell like a, a weight had been lifted. She's like. The way she was done having to hide, like everything was out in the open. Like she said, is, is this all? And then she's like, no, this is all. Like you've you've seen it all now. Yeah. I'm not hiding. I'm not hiding anything. This is who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, I want so badly to please you, but I can't. But I, but you know, you're my mother. I love you. I want, I want to please you because you're my mother. But I can't sacrifice my own being, my own my own personhood. For your standards, for your I for your idealized version of life. Yeah. And in that moment when she's telling her, you know, like this is what it is, and I have tried so hard to please you, but I don't want to go to Seventh day Adventist College. And but I respect like she's trying to tell her, like, it, it, it's just not working for me anymore, right? And she's crying and the look on her face is like she's clearly in pain, right? <laughs> Yeah. And so this idea of conditional love in this case is where she's telling her all this. And my, my issue with this is, and I think this is an issue that comes up a lot in um, maybe immigrant families or ethnic families more so than white families, <laughs> um, is that, you know, she's telling her. She's giving her an alternative. Like, I want to be able to be me, but I also respect you and I understand your values and I don't want to shit on them. You know, like, so she's trying to, like, reach a compromise with her mother. And instead of, you know, maybe trying to work with her at this point, especially since you see that she's been hiding since she's six and she's very clearly in pain, you tell her you may move out because children don't make the rules. You can live your life the way you want to live it, but not here. Mm-hmm. And that to me is just shitty parenting. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was going to say. I, parent, <laughs> like, I know I'm not a parent and I and, and I don't I don't plan to be anytime soon or ever. Um, but I'm sorry when you're when your child is sitting in front of you telling you, I, I respect you, but I can't. I'm I, she's essentially telling you she's fucking depressed right (laughs) like she can't be herself in front of you and you're like i'm sorry i can't love this version of you you may leave basically i'm sorry you're not a good parent i'm sorry and i was gonna say i wrote down the line children do not make the rules in my notes because i want to unpack that yeah go ahead thank you Um, thank you (laughs) 
<laughs> um, children do not make the rules. Except Lane is not a child anymore. Get over yourself. Exactly. Lane is 18 years old. Lane Lane has graduated high school. I don't know in the, I'm guessing in like the North American conscious. Once you graduate high school, you're kind of on the threshold of adulthood. So like you're kind of on your own for the first time. Yeah, like but Lane is idea of. The reason I say, the reason I bring up this immigrant ethnic thing is because I know at least for our family and a lot of Greeks, Italians, um, you know, a lot of Middle Eastern people that we know, just because you're 18, it, does, it's, it doesn't mean that you're an adult. Um, oh, and I, yeah. And I know that's different in white families a lot of the time, you know? Like, I see a lot of white families are like, they're an adult, what are you going to do? I know they live with me, but whatever. Um that freedom is not given to children of immigrants. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I think, um, you know, that's where I think Mrs. Kim is coming from. But I agree with you that if your 18-year-old daughter is telling you, like, this is how she wants to live your life, but not disrespectfully, she's still telling you she's going to go to church with you and respect you and whatever, you have to give a little yeah, and we're gonna and obviously jumping ahead, we know that Mrs. Kim does do some soul searching and eventually does come around in later seasons with Lorelai's help, I might add. Yeah. Um but like in this moment it's like Mrs. Kim is crying too, right? So I think it's Yeah. But I think she's Mrs. A, Kim is crying I, for different reasons. Yeah, I was gonna say she's crying because she thinks that like she thinks that her parenting drove her daughter to do this and in mrs kim's brain this is this sinful uh sinister sorcery and um she's upset that um, i don't know maybe i think she's upset maybe because she thinks she failed her daughter and that like if she had been a better parent she wouldn't have had to she wouldn't be into this stuff she wouldn't be hiding it from me etc whatever i don't know the exact i wouldn't I wouldn't say I know the exact psychology of what she's thinking, but I think she's upset because she thinks she th- like she she knows she's failed as a parent in some way, but I think the way that the way that she thinks she failed and the way that she's actually failed are two different things. Yeah. Um. Oh, so what I think about why Mrs. Kim is crying, I so first of all that scene where. Lorelai calls Mrs. Kim and she has a prayer circle going and firemen in her in her house is um, quite something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's 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 meant to be funny, like oh, Mrs. Kim, but it's also very um, you know clearly you would be alarmed if you woke up and your child wasn't there. Would you so, call your prayer circle over immediately? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't because I don't have a prayer circle, but um, you know. Uh, it's very on brand for Mrs. Kim is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, so I, where she's like, what's the address? I'm going to go get her. Obviously she's worried for her daughter at that point. She's like, I love my daughter. I'm not, you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Again, that's why I say, I don't know what it's like to be a parent. So, um, but I can imagine that you would be freaking out. Oops. That was me. I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) So, I understand that. And then I think when there's like a kind of turning point where she gets to Luke's and Luke is telling her um, 
you know, you have a very responsible kid. She called me. She told me she wasn't coming in. She called me twice. Um, I think at first it, it starts with her being up. So I think this is the progression of anger with Mrs. Kim. I think once Luke tells her that she called her, she called him, excuse me. She's like, oh, she called you. She called Dorlai, but she didn't call me. So I think it starts with anger at the fact that she didn't call her. Yeah. Then moves on to the fact, like, why didn't she call me and her mother? To then kind of reflecting inwards of, like, well, if she didn't call me, I must have done something wrong. Mm-hmm. Then when she discovers all this stuff in her room, she's like, that little shit, even though she wouldn't say it. Then it's kind of a sadness of, like, I don't really know my daughter at all. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. all the time, I'm thinking... You know, she's going to church and she's 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 going to Seventh-day Adventist College because she believes the same things I do. And she's a good girl, whatever that means for Mrs. Kim. You know, like, I think the sadness towards the end is definitely coming from the fact that she's like, I don't know my child. Just like remember in season one after um, Rory's birthday party at Lorelai's house where Emily gets in the car and she's like, she's right. I don't know my daughter at all. Yeah, it's very. It's very reminiscent, reminiscent, excuse me, of that scene for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but I think the the whole mm, the whole kind of kicking her out thing mm-hmm. is very much her anger mixed with her not wanting to let go of her principles. You know what I mean? Exactly. There's like, it's she's that's why that, that's why I said in my notes like get over yourself because in that moment Mrs. Kim isn't able to isn't able to uh, decipher between what my daughter needs and my own principles and I'm a tough little old lady and I'm not and I don't back down even even when I think I should and like that's what I mean when I say it's reminiscent of like a queer person maybe coming out to their conservative parents because like they think that they're the parents they're the adults they know all and it's like that's not necessarily the case all the time. Yeah, for sure. I just, I'm, I'm very mad at Mrs. Kim (laughs) in this scenario for real. Like I'm just, I'm, I'm annoyed. And I would also add into on the topic of um, Mrs. Kim's deep emotional repression slash denial slash delusion that Mm -hmm. earlier in the episode, she actually thinks that, Rory will be borrowing a book called Jane, One Woman's Harrowing Journey to God. Yeah, I think, first of all, great title. Um, <laughs> I think there's also a certain sense for me that they see what they want to see. Yeah, exactly. And that's what so I mean like, when I say it, like, it's, a, it's like a badly kept secret in terms of E.G. Lane's secret life or uh, a queer person's secret sexuality. It's like you... Uh, like we saw we saw something we didn't want to see but we're gonna pretend that we're, we're gonna pretend we didn't see that and move on and just pretend that everything's good even though it's not yeah i just like miss kim i don't know i think it would be i know they say ignorance is bliss but i feel like that goes out the window when your child is so unhappy yeah. they're really begging you to meet them halfway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's what Lane's doing. She's begging you. 
she's like, I don't want to have to lie to you anymore. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm I just want to be me, you know. Yeah. And it, it, it's, it's just such a heartbreaking scene. I'm, I'm, yeah. And then at the end, when, when Lane shows up at Rory's, I'm like sad all over again for her. <laughs> because you, yeah, have it's, it's, it's like you, you could, you, um. I'm sorry, I was going to say, like, you could argue that, like, it's not that Mrs. Kane kicked her, like, necessarily, like, threw out, like, said, get out of my house, but it was, like, an ultimatum, either you stay here, you live by my rules, or you go live like that somewhere else. Basically. She basically, conditional love, I'm telling you. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> what were you going to say as, as we were talking over each other? We're doing that a lot this week. We're very sorry for your ears. so many <laughs> thoughts, it's the worst. But, no, I just, it's it's a lot more of that. I'm just, I'm, like... I'm sorry, you're a bad parent. <laughs> I don't I, I don't care if it's controversial to say there are some people that should not be parents at this point. I'm sorry. Not that yeah. she shouldn't be a parent, but I mean like if you're not ready to face the fact that your 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 child is eventually going to grow up and be an individual and that that sometimes may not align with how you are as an individual and what you believe, then I think that people I just think people should have those discussions before they're ready to have kids. Yeah. Um, same thing because we're talking, like because we're talking about queer kids in this in, in this episode a lot. I mean, like just like I always say, if you're not ready to accept the fact that your child is going to be gay or lesbian or bisexual, whatever it is, you should not have children. No. Because your children deserve. They don't deserve you as a parent. I'm sorry. Yeah. And listen, I understand that parents. Parents are also human beings and they make mistakes, right? Mm-hmm. So I I understand Mrs. Kim is, you know, like her stuff her rules are kind of rooted in her tradition and she's scared of what'll happen if Lane breaks those rules and they're there to protect her, like she says. But you know, you, you like I said, you have to be a little bit understanding and have a little bit of wiggle room in your house to say that your kids are not kids forever. Mm -hmm. You know, your kids, you can control them or you can try and it works out if they do end up having the same values as you, or it can go completely wrong. Like in this case, and you could have a child that lies to you because they're too scared to come to you to talk to you. Yeah. And they're scared to be themselves. And I'm sorry, when anyone is scared to be themselves, I don't care if it's in the context of, you know, like we were saying with LGBTQ people or, you know, just just in general. Like, I've been scared to be myself in front of my mother. Mm-hmm. And it has nothing to do with my sexuality or whatever. It's just when kids, when even, even young adults, when we're faced with that, it's just so hard on a person. And I don't, I, I don't wish that on anyone, for real. <laughs> And that's why it's so terrible for Lane, because she has been going to school. You know, she's going to school. She's doing what she... She's not a drug addict. You know what I mean? Like, what do you think is going to happen to her? I know. What do you think she's going to (laughs) do? She's not sleeping with anyone. She has a boyfriend, but you approve of him. But he lives on the other fucking... He lives on the West Coast. They're not having sex in their minds. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. She's not going to get pregnant like Mary... I know. Jesus. <laughs> I have. I would add two things to all of all of those points, all of which are um, 
I agree with. Um, one of which being that I think, I don't know how to say, but like, it's not necessarily, cause like we know, we know what comes after, like we know that words, Jeffrey words, um, <laughs> We know that like Mrs. Kim comes around eventually and she does she does do some soul searching based on what other people um, tell her and what other people kind of help her. Like, sh- you know, like I'm thinking of the episode where Lorelai tells her like her, her, her roommates are girls. Like, think of them as girls. Well, we're, we're yeah. going to fix the We're going to fix that. And you two are girls. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think Mrs. Kim does try later on. But in this moment, like if we don't know, we don't know what comes next. We're only looking at what what's led us to this point. um it's just it's I agree it's immensely it's like immensely frustrating in terms of it's it's complete conditional love and it's just you're right like parents if they're if you're you're not ready to accept your child for whatever whatever lifestyle (laughs) for lack of a better term they're gonna they're gonna choose or want not choose because you don't really choose your sexuality for talking about that kind of lifestyle but you know what I mean love music and that's not a horrible sin yeah, exactly. Like, I just, I don't even her mind. <laughs> like, oh my god, the sex- she's gonna get pregnant. Yeah, <laughs> it's like sinful. It's just sorcery. Um, the second thing I was gonna add was, as you were talking about how you know sometimes we just, it's it's awkward and, and uncomfortable to be our true selves sometimes in front of either our parents or our relatives or people who have watched us grow up our entire lives. It's just a little. Especially for introverts, I find it's just like, no thanks. Like, I'd rather tear myself in half. Um, As you were saying that, I was singing, like, the lyrics of of Landslide by Stephen X were just coming through my brain. Like, yeah, mm -hmm, exactly. That's exactly how I feel. (laughs) Oh, Stevie. Like, yes, I too have been afraid of changing because I spent my whole life around you. Like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. (laughs) You know that I've seen Stevie Nicks live four times? I know. Oh, and good thing we're talking about that, because there's one other thing I wrote down in my notes I was going to bring up when I said I want to share my favorite quotes from the episode. One of which is, can we please discuss, quickly, because we've already been talking for too long, um, in what universe is Fleetwood Mac a, a guilty pleasure? Lane refers to... Oh my to- god. <laughs> so angry when Lane said that. Especially because I know you love Fleetwood Mac, so... Lane, don't make me fight you, girl. Like, I will straight up cut a bitch. (laughs) Like, I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I don't think we should have to feel guilty for something that we like, regardless of what it is. Yeah. But, like, if we're going to go by the stereotypical textbook examples of a quote-unquote guilty pleasure, I'm sorry, Fleetwood Mac does not come to mind. Like, fuck you. (laughs) Fuck you hard. Okay? (laughs) One last thing that I wanted to say, and then we can wrap up, because we have been talking for a very long time. Um, how come nobody talks about the fact that Zach can't sing for shit? Thank you. I was, <laughs> I was gonna bring that bring that up later on. Uh, again, I'm blanking on when it is, but that the episode late in a later season when he screws up their gig and their chance at fame. That's just like oh, that's next season. Yeah, I was gonna say five or six, but so it's in season oh, five. Like, you cannot sing, sir. No, and so like you would. I'm sorry. Even if Zach hadn't have ruined that that whole evening, you wouldn't have gotten signed. Just saying. Just saying. <laughs> um, where can they find us, Jeffrey? Um, they can find us on Instagram at Gilmore Girls Podcast on Twitters 
at Gilmore Podcast. And you can email us if you should feel the need to do so, gilmorepodcast at gmail.com. Perfect. And we will see you all. Oh, no, we're not going to see them next week. I was going to say, we'll see you next time because we're doing, we're taking a small two-week brief hiatus so Lenny can move into her new apartment. And so I can visit my new niece. Yes. I have a new niece. Her name is Maria. And, so, and, I, and I'm making it my mission to find a onesie that says, how do you solve a problem like Maria? My, my sister-in-law was laughing when she saw that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a new niece. So next week I'm moving to my new apartment. Um, and then the week after I'm going to see my new niece because I will be fully vaccinated, bitches. Um, I'm very excited about that, by the way. Um, yeah, so we're taking a little brief hiatus, but we will be back to discuss the aftermath of Lane. Oh, it's like a cliffhanger. We're so cool. <laughs> Anyways, but we'll be back. We will see you soon. Thank you for and listening. Also, and also my husband returns the next time. We will, you'll, you'll hear us. So there's that too. Big cliffhanger. Just saying. Okay. I'm putting my foot down. Putting my foot down. Okay. Bye. <laughs> bye.